I want to speak today about unshakable hope in times of loss. And we're going to look at a passage in Philippians uh, chapter 3, starting at verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. When I was six, I got a pet guinea pig called Snowy, and I love that guinea pig. And about a year and a half later, we were going through a slightly tight time financially. And my mum came in one morning as I was watching TV and handed me Snowy and said, why don't you play with him for a while? It's a bit random, but I thought, okay, and played with him totally distractedly, then went out for the day. And when I came back later on, my parents said, we've got really bad news, Snowy has died. And I was distraught. I wet buckets, I wept all over the house, I couldn't be consoled. And then I went to bed that night and I was trying to process this day in my little head. And I thought, he's so sad, but at least I got one last chance to play with Snowy. I think actually that is an extraordinary coincidence because my mum had never asked me to play with Snowy before and, and she did it just a few hours before he died. And I was thinking, that is an extraordinary coincidence. It's almost too much of a coincidence. And I was thinking, actually, when I came home, they just said he died. They didn't say how he died. They didn't show me him. And I was thinking, wait a minute, what if this was a conspiracy? What if they're in on it? What if they planned the whole thing? And oh, this kind of injustice and sense of outrage and desire to get to the bottom of things kind of rose up within me. Now, I have to say, to this day, my parents deny any involvement in the death of Snowy. But it sparked something in me. It left a mark on me. That was my first experience of loss. But it's perhaps no surprise that I went on to uh, work as a criminal barrister and kind of dig around to try and find out where the conspiracies were and cross-examine people and try and work out who was telling the truth and who wasn't. We're all probably facing, each in our own way, a sort of loss at the moment. And actually, we may be facing a bit of a collective loss as well. It's almost like we're going through the stages of the grieving process. You start with kind of denial, like, I can't I don't think this is going to impact me at all. Coronavirus, I'm sure it's not going to impact my life. And then there's maybe a bit of anger. You know, I can't believe I'm locked down or I can't believe the guidelines aren't clear. And then maybe that moves into a bit of bargaining. Like, well, OK, I'm happy for it to inconvenience my life for a few weeks or a few months. But then I want to get back to normal. And then there's a bit of sadness, which is like, oh, actually, I don't think we're going to get back to normal for quite a while. If actually we ever get back to the way things were. And then people would say you move on to acceptance, which is where you realise this is a new reality and we're going to have to find a way of living in it. How we respond to loss at this time will make a massive difference to the months and years ahead. Will we be resentful or will we be hopeful? How did Paul have unshakable hope in a time of loss? Well, the first thing is that he named his losses. You have to name your losses. He says, Paul had lost so much, he was lost his freedom. He was in an extreme form of lockdown. He was in chains, under guard, in a prison. He scarcely could move around. He'd lost his freedom, but he'd also lost his reputation. He'd lost his power. He'd lost his authority. He'd lost all the success he'd spent his life building. The, the good opinion of all those who mattered. 
And in that context, he says, you know, I've lost, lost, I've lost three times in that passage. He names it. And I'm a kind of relentless optimist. I find it really hard to, to admit that I, I feel a sense of loss or that I feel like things aren't the way I would want them to be. I don't know what sort of loss you're experiencing at the moment. Maybe like me, some of them are quite small, like I'm experiencing the loss of going to my favourite barber, but some of them might be quite big. Beth and I are, are still mourning the loss of Beth's mum to cancer just a few months ago and trying to process that in the midst of this crazy time. But there are all sorts of losses that we're experiencing. Maybe the loss of normality, not being able to go to school or university or work. Maybe it's a loss of relationship, not being able to connect with friends and give someone a hug. Maybe it's you had hoped that there'd be an opportunity this year, maybe an opportunity to do with work or maybe the opportunity to meet someone special. Maybe it's an event, a wedding or a party. Maybe it's the loss of your plans. You had big plans for 2020 and you can't see how they're going to come to pass now. Someone said, uh, you know, I'm not going to add 2020 to my age. I haven't used this year. It doesn't count. And it can feel a little bit like that. But you have to name your losses. Paul names his losses, but he doesn't become consumed by them because he names his losses, but he also reframes his gains. Reframe your gains. He says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Paul has an encounter with a person which reframes his whole understanding of what a gain and a loss is. When I was 19, I met Beth, beautiful young woman. And when we're in our early 20s, I I, I thought this is getting serious. It might be getting somewhere. And it, and some of my so-called friends will say, oh, you, know, you don't want to get into a serious relationship. You've got your whole 20s ahead of you. You'll, you'll be tied down. You, you won't be able to do all the things you'd want to do. And you'll have to take joint decisions. The way they painted it, it sounded like only loss was ahead of me. But actually, 17 years later, my experience has been, it's been all gain, extraordinary gain, and not a single loss. And Paul has an encounter with a person that completely reframes his understanding of what a gain is and what a loss is in his life. Lots of what he had considered gains, you know, his reputation, his success, his career, all these things, you know, good things, there's nothing wrong with them. But he sees when he encounters Jesus that they weren't the best thing. And some of them were actually stopping him encountering Jesus. They were getting in the way of the best thing. So he counts them as lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. Paul didn't need his life improving. He needed saving. And in a moment of encounter with Jesus brings a remarkable clarity to the whole of his life. Paul could be in a prison cell, surrounded by loss, in extreme lockdown, and yet say, I have known only gain because of the greatness of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. You could gain more in a moment of encounter with Jesus than you could ever lose in this crisis. You can gain more through a relationship with Jesus than you could spend your entire life building. This year doesn't have to be a lost year for you. Don't waste this crisis. Sometimes losses bring clarity. 
They reveal where we've been placing too much expectation, too much weight, too much of our hopes on things. You know, they're not bad things, but they weren't intended to bear the weight of our hopes. But Jesus can bear the weight of our hopes. Jesus, the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus, my Lord. You have an opportunity in lockdown, in this crisis, to get to know better the most extraordinary, remarkable, amazing person this universe has ever seen. And I'm finding that in all the disorientation and confusion of this time, I'm being stirred up to know Jesus better, to hear his voice, to see his beauty more clearly. And I'm finding actually it is real gain, surpassing gain, the best gain to to build that relationship with him. Name your losses, reframe your gains. And then aim your life. Unless you know where your life is headed, where your life is aimed, it doesn't make sense to talk about a gain or a loss because they only help you get to where you're going. And Paul's goal, the aim of his life has completely changed. He's gone from someone who's completely opposed to Jesus and pursued his followers to someone who makes as the great aim of his life, knowing Jesus and being found in him. And that gives him an unshakable hope. Why? Because Jesus has been there and done it. Jesus lost everything. At the cross, Jesus lost everything. Relationship, friendship, the good opinion of those around him, his success, his freedom, his power. He lost it all. Why? so that he might gain you, so that he might win you, so that he might save you. Jesus lost everything on the cross to gain you, so you don't have to fear losing anything in your life. He's not going to let you go. Paul had lost freedom, but he found in Jesus Christ true freedom. Paul had lost the approval of society, but he found in Jesus Christ the favour of God. Paul had lost so many opportunities, but he found in Jesus Christ the greatest opportunities for his life. Paul had lost status, but he found in Jesus a greater status than he could have spent his life building and one which could never be lost. What do you want out of this time? Paul wanted to know Christ and be found in him. That's his aim. That's his great gain. How do you want things to be in the months and years ahead? Name your losses. Reframe your gains. Aim your life. And you might find that in the months and years ahead, you've drawn closer to Jesus Christ, the greatest gain of all.